Welcome to the Truth CSGO podcast, episode 74. Today we're talking IEM Chicago, Blast Pro Los Angeles, GG League, and the Americas and EU Miners, and some thoughts on how to avoid FOMO. Hey guys, this is Electro. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Ferry. Code Zero. Flusher. Oh, this is Kerrigan. Are you listening to the Truth? The Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The Truth CSGO podcast. The Truth CSGO podcast. The Truth CSGO podcast. Are we rushing in? So this episode is coming a little late. I did make two attempts at recording it uh, last weekend. (laughs) They didn't go very well. So here we are. Uh, We're going to talk about IEM Chicago first up. Liquid won this tournament. They collected $125,000 and they beat Entz in a ridiculously one-sided grand final. It was 16-2, 16-3, and then 16-14 on Overpass, Nuke, and Inferno. And in fact, Liquid basically stomped their way through this entire tournament, only losing one map. These guys are next level at the moment. Their confidence is sky high. There doesn't really seem to be anyone who can challenge them at this point. They did beat Vitality, who were the number two team in the semis. And then Ents is, of course, the number three team. And the only map, as I said, that it came close on was Inferno. And that was a sort of roughshod comeback uh, anyway from Entz. Uh, these guys seem to be operating on another level in terms of communication. Uh, I've been harsh on Stewie2k in the past for his outrageous pushes, but it appears that this sort of information gathering has just taken them to the next level. Their aim is absolutely bananas and far and above any other team currently at this point. Uh, some of the other teams at this tournament who are worth talking about was uh, MIBR. These guys beat Envy and G2 in best of threes despite having Zeus, their coach, standing in for Cold Zero. Envy couldn't play with Nifty uh, in the uh, second match they had, so their coach Ely stood in, uh, but G2 had no excuse. Uh, <laughs> this was a poor showing from them. Could have been that uh, Jetlag got the best of them, although they did, I think they did beat, um, who did they beat in their first best of three? I forget. Uh, but Dallas and the performance that G2 had at Dallas seems to be somewhat of an anomaly, unless these guys can come back in the major and show us something a bit better. This was a bit disappointing from G2 fans. Heroic had a good start in this tournament. They beat Vitality 2 0, which was a bit of a surprise but then went down in a really close series to Ents. These guys are up and coming, and they're a joy to watch. And in fact, I think it was the close series with Ents that Freiburg actually top-fragged. I know he top-fragged in the show match, but I'm pretty sure he was top-fragging in that best of three too. So if we get some uh, resurgence, some Freiburg renaissance uh, happening, that's going to be very exciting as well. Renegades pooped out of this tournament. These guys lost 2-0 to Ents and Vitality. Obviously, number two and number three teams, so nothing to be too ashamed of. Thorin actually made a pretty good point on his podcast about Liquid's uh, sudden rise to dominance. Well, not sudden, but uh, massive rise to dominance, I should say. That Renegades are one of the teams who've suffered from the nerfing of the org. Could be true. They did sort of have their resurgence around the time, or their, I guess their surgence, their presurgence, their pro, what's it, how do you say, neosurgence, um, around the time of the org's uh, popularity. And it could be that, uh, similar to Ents, part of their massive success was their dominant CT sides while using the org. Um, I'm not sure that's necessarily the case. If you look at a player like Liaz, 
Despite not being picked as the star player of that team all the time, he actually has one of the highest ratings across all the pro players in the last three months at best at big lands. So I don't know. They've got some aces up their sleeve still, and I think they can have a better showing at the major considering they'll have a lot more time to prep and uh, scheme and plot and come up with some of the strats and wicked stuff we saw from them at the last major. Vitality was stomped on by Liquid, I think, the you know eventually in the semis. And I think part of the reason, at least was given by the players, is that they've just been playing too much, didn't have as much rest as they were looking for. Uh, now, Chicago is also the first uh, Intel Grand Slam win for Liquid. Of course, the series has continued uh, as it uh, just ended from their victory, uh, them winning it. Um, and there's actually some changes we should note. Uh, there's some changes to Intel Grand Slam Season 3, which obviously have come about <laughs> because the eggheads at Intel have panicked, not uh, believing that anyone would win it probably as quickly as Astralis did. And this time the requirements have been slightly changed. So the teams still have to win four out of ten tournaments, but one of those four has to be one of their big designated tournaments, and they call these tournaments Masters-level tournaments. And currently they are Katowice, Cologne, or either major, as long as it's run by ESL or DreamHack. Or they can win six uh, six other tournaments, six lower tournaments, just your regular IEMs in the span of 10 consecutive events. So it's a slightly more difficult. It's probably not too much of a change for a team like Liquid, who are, <laughs> if they continue as they've been uh, looking right now, they shouldn't have any trouble netting themselves another one in the next 10 tournaments. Uh, let's move on to Blast Pro Los Angeles. The weekend before uh, I Am Chicago, we had Blast Pro Los Angeles, and this was also won by Liquid. This was in a finals versus phase and went across two maps out of three, Nuke and Inferno. Nuke actually went quite close, and phase looked like they were going to pull it back when Liquid were at the edge only through, uh, really only through the occasional skill-based performance of each of their players. They don't really seem to have much cohesion right now. They don't seem to be flashing for each other. The communication was absolutely dreadful. In fact, watching it, you could see them not reacting to basically call-outs from other members at other parts of the map. So it was not convincing from FaZe, and Inferno was a far less close uh, performance from these guys, and it was kind of dismal, actually. Um, Twists had a 2.1 rating on this map. In fact, that was how dominant it was, Liquid's way. And it does really show up the uh, the, uh, the fact that Inferno is sort of a much better map to decide on a good team because it really relies so much more on teamwork. Whereas Nuke has so many different entry points that uh, even though communication is key, it's very evident that individual players can actually turn around much more easily than somewhere like Inferno where you're often traveling with a whole team in tow. Uh, Naf also won the MVP at this tournament. So that's his second in a row for the last two weeks. He had a 1.4 rating here. And with the winning of that tournament, Liquid passed Astralis for the longest LAN win streak at 18. Now, I don't know if that's actually correct. This was a HLTV news item. It could be that that's the the largest, like a large LANs, because I believe that... Uh, 
um, the OG NIP team might have had a longer land win streak. Uh, in terms of phase, as I said, the communication was looking pretty dreadful. Um, and Nico was looking unhappy basically the whole tournament. He said in an interview, they're not clicking with Neo. And Rain said in an interview as well that it was a mistake that they kicked Carrigan in brackets. He said, sorry, in quotation marks, I should say. I regret it now. We should never have kicked him. <laughs> also, I don't know where. So Liam's done the news for this episode. I don't know where he got this quote, but Rain apparently said, fuck, we kicked our in-game leader without having an in-game leader to take over. So not the best idea by far. Desjerto reported that they had abandoned trying to play Neo's style and tried to go back to the way they were playing with Adren. So this is an absolute clusterfuck <laughs> of a team right now and it makes me sad and everyone's calling out the demise of phase and that they should uh, abandon the roster and it just i don't know this podcast might end if that happens <laughs> now cloud nine debuted with the new team actually a little bit better than expected these guys beat phase in a best of one and then they tied with mibr and nrg 15 15 Tens, the newcomer we talked about last episode was the standout performer here he topped frag two of their maps and it's possible this team will happen a little quicker than we think, although it could just be a little bit of a honeymoon period in their hometown. These guys, as a result of this performance, as a result of winning one best of one and tying two, they jumped 200 points in HLTV rankings. I think they're around uh, 208 or something, or 310 or something, and they're now in the top 30. Um, NRG was a little more troubling performance if you're a fan. These guys didn't look like any they were really any better than they were when daps was at the helm stanislaw even though he's a bit of a firepower upgrade he's not really looking like he's taking the team to new heights Tarek was the definite underperformer at this tournament and their players still remain inconsistent uh this perhaps speaks to mentality issues uh, and if these guys aren't really all on the same page then i think it comes down to leadership been a bit harsh on old stan on this podcast in the past but i'm waiting for some evidence that he is a better IGL than I think. Renegades, uh, feels weird to talk about them after having made a little assumption about their current progress after IEM, but these guys lost every single match here except the best of one against Cloud9. There was a lot of criticism coming Gratisfaction's way. Gratisfaction is, of course, the AWPA from New Zealand. You know him from his moustache. He had a persistent rating under one at this tournament and in fact seems to have one over the last uh, three months as well. There's a good argument to be made that as an AWPA he should have a consistent rating above one because it is such an expensive gun and it is one shot kill. Um, and then if he doesn't then the, perhaps the expense in the team is sort of being wasted. I think something hasn't clicked with these guys. Perhaps the hunger faded with the visa troubles that he had. Uh, I'm not sure whether gratisfaction is the problem. I think though it's worthwhile looking at the way liquid is currently dominating with a bunch of hybrid players all of whom can orp at different points in time and questioning whether someone who requires the orp um, really to live out their potential as a player or to play out their potential as a player uh possibly is a little bit behind in the meta in these days um that would be what i would be thinking about if i was Cassard the coach of Renegades, because I'm sure there's other players in this team who can AWP. Now, MIBR were, once again, well, prior playing with uh, Zeus, the coach. These guys didn't perform really well at all, but what was nice was to see that they were actually playing with a bit of fun in the end, uh, and the mood of that team seems to have lifted a huge amount. They played in the face-off against Renegades as well. 
Uh, and what's worthwhile, I guess, talking about them right now, or there's some more information that has come out, was through an upcoming, uh, was through an upcoming, was through an article with upcomer.com, uh, an interview with Fallen, where he ascribed basically the disintegration of this team and the poor performances f- uh, to the egos of the team members getting a bit too big to handle. And he implied that basically because the egos were so big, it was very hard to um, quell conflicts amongst them. And he didn't want to be the bad cop. Uh, that was kind of surprising to me. I kind of assumed, unless he's trying to make himself look better in an interview right here, I kind of assumed that he was acting as a bad cop in, in the past. But perhaps if you have the number one player in the world and two years in a row in your team, it becomes harder and harder to be the bad cop with uh, that guy. As I'm, of course, speaking about cold. And it appears in my speculation that part of the reason he left was because uh, of the difference of mentalities in this team we do know from interviews that cold was always practicing always grinding always trying to get better and that fur um even though it's potentially he was just being a bit too cavalier with his comments uh, has mentioned in the past that he's not big on practicing not big on death matching and prefers to come to a game fresh and without having sort of grinded away his motivation so it could be that the uh, difference in sort of uh, team how should we say it um well, mentality is a good point, but uh, paradigms might have been what brought this team apart. Um, of course, they're now playing with Lucas One, and uh, DK has just put out a little report saying that they're targeting KNG. Now, KNG, of course, is currently on INTS, and INTS are going to the major as well. So none of this is going to happen until after the major. Um, but that's kind of a crazy timeline because, as we know... MIBR is owned by the same organization, the Immortals Gaming Club, that uh, KNG once played for in the PGL Krakow Major, coming second. And the CEO at the time, then Noah Winston, said he would never, ever, ever play for that organization again because of the way he behaved. Now, apparently, Noah Winston is no longer the CEO. He's not even on the board anymore. He's just a shareholder. It's unclear to me what happened there. I'd like to get him on the podcast somehow because I'm sure he's got a lot of tales. (laughs) I don't think he's the kind of guy who would spill the beans, but it might be fun to hear. So it appears that uh, KNG will be headed back to some sort of Tier 1 team, possibly, although Ince, I guess, could be considered Tier 1, depending on how they do at the minus playoff, which we will get to. Um, One of the other rumors that has uh, floated around the MIBR players is that Cold is, in fact, being targeted by 100 Thieves. 100 Thieves are, of course, the team who uh, took on the ex-Immortals roster, who were uh, dumped by Immortals and didn't get to have one game at all because before they did, the visa issues with KNG meant they had to skip some tournaments and then his public spat with Thorin on Twitter meant that they were dumped once more. So it appears that uh, 100 Thieves have gotten, I think, about $30, $35 million in venture capitalist funding and there are rumors uh, abounding that they are targeting Cold Zero as part of the linchpin of coming back into Counter-Strike. Uh, I think I also saw the names Sunny and Kiyoshima floated, but it could have been that I was just reading someone's fantasy <laughs> on Reddit, so I wouldn't quote me on that one. Um, now, in terms of the actual event itself, Blast Pro Los Angeles was not quite the viewing disaster that some people expected. I think if you are a participant there, you might have a different view. It's been widely reported that there were only about 200 people there at any given time, so they didn't really sell many tickets. One of the uh, functions of the 
change in venue? Was it they were going to bring people around behind the scenes, uh, give people tours? There were some, how should we say, two-camera um, interviews with players, the players with audience members from Trey's Stunner when he was asking them how the play, the uh, tours were around the backstage and stuff. And although it seemed a little stilted, people seemed to enjoy it. As a viewer, I didn't really care for it. I wasn't really interested in Freya showing me where people were sitting at computers, uh, picking out the different camera angles for the game. I would have preferred to uh, have games a little quicker, backed up a little quicker, and uh, nothing really beats the roar of the big crowd, which we saw at IEM Chicago. So I guess a bit of a disaster for Blast Pro. Uh, It just goes to show that Los Angeles probably isn't the place where you're going to get all the fans you want. Chicago obviously has a lot more in the mix. So let's move on to the Good Game League. Now the Good Game League was a little tournament that was played out just before Blast Pro Los Angeles. And some of you may be wondering what it is and what happened. Well, it was a little tournament that happened in Poland. And it's part of the GG League and it's a basically a little pro CS league operating out of Poland. Just a little background. It was founded in 2017. It has 11 total events or has had 11 total events since that time. And the very first one was a small land with a whopping total prize of $2,100. It was a lot more money up for grabs this time. And the winners of this tournament were G2. They walked away with 56 grand. We also had Tricked, Virtus Pro, Gamer Legion, Epsilon, Hellraisers, Windstrike, and Aristocracy in, uh, in that order. So this was actually a good sign for G2, which makes me speculate that their poor performance at Chicago was actually, was really actually down to a combination of um, maybe burnout and, um, what am I going to call it? What's it called? Jet lag. If you have ever spoken to any of the G2 guys or watched some of their interviews, they don't exactly take care of themselves in the way that a team like Liquid does or Astralis does. It's pretty pretty evident that Liquid are going to the gym fairly regularly, Astralis the same, um, whereas G2 give, the, give one the impression that they're more interested in um, smoking themselves uh, to an early grave <laughs> between games. So I think when you get the issues like jet lag, that's a team that's going to be a lot more affected by it. Um, we should, I guess we should... We should mention that the overall prize money here was $112,000. So it's not a tournament that could be sneezed at. Um, I think what was a shame here was that the actual Polish teams, Aristocracy and Virtus Pro, didn't manage to get into the grand finals. Uh, but that's about it for that tournament. Um, let's move on to the European and American miners. So I've done this in a bit of a fruity, um, topsy-turvy order. But the European miners and the American miners were played out the last weekend. And this was, of course, $50,000 in two spots at the Starlader Berlin Major 2019. Now, the European miner was won by Mouse Sports and Crazy came second. Crazy are, of course, a form of valiance. Then we had uh, Big, No Chance, North, Fnatic, Sprout, and Ancient. Actually, North, I should say, came third. Now, Mouse Sports and Crazy were pretty much expected. Mouse Sports have been looking pretty banging since uh, Caro got the roster up and running, and Crazy have been looking better and better since they brought in the two players from Imperial. Uh, was it at the beginning of this year? 
um, Nexa and Esperanto, if I'm correct. Big are going to look like they're in for some roster changes because nothing seemed to work for that roster at all at this minor. Um, there's some rumors that they're going to be looking for Sprout players. I think some behind-the-scenes conversations leaked this week and was splashed over the, the front page of Reddit where there was also... It was also indicated from some sort of insider, it wasn't quite clear who it was, that they will be looking to target Smuya to replace Gob B uh, at some point, which means, I guess, that Tabson's going to continue IGLing. And he also, or this insider, also seemed to think that they would be picking apart parts of Sprout at some point. Sprout uh, didn't really impress at all in this minor too so i can see why that would be <laughs> happening now north did come third so it wasn't a complete disaster from them but they were beaten by teams that perhaps we were expecting they should beat now north has been sort of the continual could have should have seemingly i don't know would have if something didn't go wrong for the last two years basically uh dreamhack stockholm being the only sort of weird anomaly um which I don't know. In the context of why they won it, I don't think it's weird. Uh, I said it before and I'll say it again. I think MSL just completely mainlined Astralis and device tactics for that whole tournament. And I guess his focus seemed to do something to this team. Um, Valde, of course, is now the IGL. And he said it himself on an interview with HLTV. The expe- expectations for him and how fast will be a good IGL seem to be a bit, 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 a bit big right now. And I think actually Valde and I've noticed this in some of the commentary about him and the team probably is the recipient of what I believe is called well it's a cognitive bias but I think it's called the good looking bias where he's actually he's, he's a good looking dude uh, and he's very well spoken um, and so for some reason he's sort of described as this this amazing player and this genius player and I think he has gotten a f- sort of some unwarranted confidence in where he was going to take this team. And it makes results like this seem quite disappointing. Um, as I've also stated before, these guys have the best branding. And there's something about North that seems more cohesive than other teams. For instance, Crazy, <laughs> even with their most ridiculously recent rebranding, don't seem as uh, cohesive as North. They're all from the same part of the world. They should be doing better than, than they are. At least that's what we think. They do have former MVP at a major, um, Kier being on the team. So why aren't they doing better? I just think perhaps there's something in this team that's not working. Um, there's some sort of mentality thing that's not going right for them. It could be that uh, in the minors playoff, which they will be in because they came third, we will see better things from them. Who knows? Uh, no chance. These guys beat Mouse in a best of one but didn't have the skills for a best of three. Um, Ancient didn't really perform well enough at this minor, I think, to get themselves a proper sponsor. I think you could point to them and go, look, if you know, if we were going to take a chance on these guys, it's possible that with the right infrastructure, they would turn into something that we would like. But they still feel a bit like haphazard. Um, Stiko, I don't think, is, a, is playing the supportive role he used to play on Mouse Sports. He is supposed to be one of their stars right now. And... He's not exactly playing with the same fervor he did when he played when he stood in for Cloud Nine, and went full out star player for I think it was a map on Overpass and just dominated. So there's something not quite right with this team. Perhaps it's a motivation thing. Perhaps it's the fact that they're not 
um, or practicing together. It could be that sort of chicken and the egg thing that they're never going to really practice hard enough until they get a sponsor and a sponsor's never really going to take a chance into them until they win a big tournament or get into a big tournament, which they probably will never do unless they really practice a whole lot more. Uh, now, the other big story to come out of the EU minors that Fnatic will not be going through to the major. These guys were shut down on subsequent best of threes by teams that they should have beaten. Uh, and this is the very first major that Fnatic have not been at since the very start of the major cycle in Counter-Strike. DK has pointed out on one of his reports that there's definitely going to be a roster change coming in for, for Fnatic, uh, perhaps one uh, or two. Uh, a lot of people believe that Flusher should come back to their team. I don't know if that's necessarily the answer. Uh, he left for a reason. Uh, the things were getting stale between the trio of him, JW, and Crims. So I don't know what Fnatic should do at this point in time. Uh, obviously, Exist is the underperformer in terms of fragging. Uh, and you know what was cool was it Twist. We saw Twist really step up actually in the last few maps that they played. And I hadn't seen him step up. In fact, at the very beginning of the last couple of maps that those guys played, he was kind of the, one of the worst performers. He had a lot of nerves. You could see him making some uh, bad mistakes. But actually, he was one of the ones who really pulled through. And above and beyond JW and where JW started in the tournament, which which I think was pretty well publicized, he was kind of the star player coming into the minors, having the juice the other players didn't seem to have. So I don't know. As exists time's up, as exists time up, I would say probably. I don't see any indication that he's bringing anything new to this team or the fact that he's brought any sort of um, winning energy to any team for the last couple of years. So I guess if you're thinking about a replacement for these guys he's the first but but who are you gonna who are you gonna replace him with i don't know any igls uh, at least swedish igls perhaps hampus is going to be um i don't know looked at for his replacement um but even he doesn't seem to have you know the extra fragging um above and beyond exist and it's questionable as well whether he'd bring anything more to this team uh i can't really speculate much more I'm fed up with speculation right now. Let's move on to the American Miners. We had NRG, Sharks, Singularity, Team 1, E United, Furia, Ince, and Luminosity. And NRG and Furia were the two to make it through. NRG came first, then Furia second. Totally expected. These guys were the highest ranked teams. And then Ince came third, INTZ. Ince beat Furia in a best of one, but didn't have the map pool and the teamwork to beat him in a best of three. But they still have another chance. They will, of course, also be in the Miners playoffs against North. And whoever is the third place in the CIS minor and the Oceanic minor. Um, they have a chance. They were looking good. They just weren't looking quite as cohesive. The I think the issue for them might be if KNG checks out, if it is in fact the case that he's being courted by MIBR, then it's possible he kind of won't be putting in too much practice or effort with his team. Uh, and I guess I should also note here that Thorin has confirmed... <laughs> that KNG's apology, which he brought out maybe six months ago in an attempt to sort of get himself back onto MIBR or that, that squad. And he, he, he published it in on his Twitter and I spoke about it when it came out. But Thorin's confirmed that that apology was not actually written by KNG, which is what we suspected. So that's kind of funny. Uh, singularity. Um, actually, Singularity, you know, one, one cool thing about them was the player Floppy. He's not been on my radar at all. These guys obviously didn't do too well. They were beaten by Sharks uh, twice and then went out to Ince. Um, but, uh, was that, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, Sharks beat him twice. Um, but Floppy went ham 
And doing a little bit of research on this guy, Ricky Camery, he's got a rating of 1.19 right now. He's been playing since, he's, since 2015, but he's only actually 19 years old himself. And what's cool about him is he's got a German background. So he actually does live in America, but he's got a German background. I don't know if that means he can speak German, but if he can, he should be on big. <laughs> they should get someone young who just top fragged, had one of the highest ratings at the minor, who can speak English, and if he can speak German, put him in the team because there's no German players I know, young up-and-coming guys they should bring on. So if this guy doesn't get picked up by, let's say, someone doesn't work out on Cloud9 or MV decided to get rid of one of their older pieces, uh, then I think he should um, make the step over to Europe, if only for the life experience. Uh, Now, Sharks. Sharks were the third Brazilian team in these minors and these guys actually had a pretty good showing I thought they didn't make it through and they obviously didn't agree with me because they have since dropped two of their players Knack and oh, what's the other guy's name what's your name buddy RCF probably the one who impressed me the most out of Sharks at the minor was Leo Drunky uh, these guys are going to be moving to North America shortly and this will mean that there is a likelihood we will be seeing Leo Drunky being post uh, poached by other teams in the near future. Uh, team 1 got banged out by NRG and then lost to Singularity 2-1. TRK was the only player who really went uh, positive on out of this whole team. And in fact, the really, really the only, only guy who impressed me out of Team 1. Uh, it's a shame that there's so many players who are giving themselves three-letter names because it makes their names harder to pronounce and I want to talk about them a whole lot less. <laughs> so, Alenka Rosato, a.k.a. TRK, if you're listening to this, just put a, chuck a vowel in there for me, like track, troc, um, uh, you know, uh, talk, um, anything because I don't know how to pronounce it. A United were outclassed by Luminosity than Furia, and Luminosity was knocked out by Furia in two very close games. What's good for Luminosity is that Phelps looked much better on this team. He dropped a 30-bomb somewhere in there. Bolts also went ham, but Furia managed to mostly avoid him. In fact, most of the teams did, and just sort of punished uh, the way Furia do best. Pushing bathrooms, pushing mid pushing, pushing, pushing. Yuri and Serato were too good for the other Brazilian teams. Now, as I said, uh, the minor playoffs will be happening on July 29th. That's between INS and North currently. We'll have two more from the soon-to-be-played CIS miners and Oceanic miners. What I should mention before we just do a little recap on those is that uh, the last update from Valve has added the support on your Counter-Strike application to display Berlin 2019 minor playoff matches in-game. So you can watch these live as they're happening, which also means that you can switch between the views of different players, which is always fun. Now, the CIS minor, as I said, is going to be played today, as is the Oceanic minor. And we've done a recap of the teams, a little rundown on who's playing what. But just to remind you, in CIS, we have Spirit, Namiga, Simon, Forza, Unique Team, Wartox, Gambit Youngsters and Dream Eaters. And the Oceanic Miners, we have Five Power, Avant, Energy, Greyhound, Alpha Red, FFA Mix, MVP, PK, and Tai Lu. The favorites are Spirit and Forza for CIS, and for the Oceanic, it's Greyhound and Tai Lu. Uh, now, let's get on to how to avoid FOMO. 
So one of the downsides to the wonderful world of media and the internet and content that we live in right now is that it gets quite overwhelming and there's too much to watch and there's too much to listen to and there's too much to read uh, and there's too much to browse and there's too many games to play and once you add on the particular joy that I assume listeners of this podcast get out of playing multiplayer online games which are essentially endless it can be very overwhelming and I'm sure you all know the expression FOMO, the fear of missing out. I have a Polish housemate, Gosha, who delights in using the expression JOMO, the joy of missing out. But I've noticed that one of the pressures of FOMO uh, is is when someone else tells you about something that they're consuming uh, and is so excited about it that it adds to your anxiety. Um, so obviously there's a lot of things we could address about FOMO but I'd like to address this particular one and it often comes up when they're talking about TV shows and people have a way of talking about TV shows that they don't about regular events so someone might say oh you've got to watch uh, The Good Wife it's amazing oh trust me it is amazing once you know after the second episode it just becomes like it's incredible and they would speak about it in a way that they perhaps wouldn't speak about <laughs> a book or spending two hours in a park or, I don't know, talking to someone, almost anything else. Uh, and one of the things that I think we can remember or that can help us with these sorts of things. Well, let me backtrack, actually. Um, I've had this experience several times where people have gone, oh, you have to watch it. It's incredible. It's just unbelievable. And then I've watched what they're talking about and it's just soapy trash. Um, and when I say soapy trash, I mean really over-obvious uh, melodrama where everyone telegraphs exactly what's going on for you at all times. So you really don't have to think much. And in fact, you can almost kind of do other things while watching it uh, on a high level. And it, And one of the hallmarks of this as well is that the writers keep stuff from you purposefully and stop characters relaying vital information that they would in normal life which kind of keeps you watching um in a, in a kind of i don't know I, I think it's in a moral way but that's how they fill out these episodes one of the shows that did this recently that that shat me off to to no end was the oa and before that one that i watched that uh did it was westworld where it's simply stringing out information to keep you watching in a way that kind of feels very unfair by the end of it because the revelations that you get sometimes just don't seem worth all the time you've put into it. Anyway, so one of the one of the ways that we can avoid, I think, some of these temptations that you get from good friends who recommend these shows to you because uh, um, Westworld, I had friends telling me it was the most incredible thing that I'd ever seen on television and the OA... Uh, and actually, I had Antonio Banderas tell me that it was the greatest thing he'd ever seen in 16 years. And he's uh, he's obviously given to hyperbole. But when Antonio Banderas goes to you, you have to believe it. It was the most incredible thing I had ever seen on television. Like, you have to watch it, right? But if I'd thought about it in this particular way that I'm going to tell you right now, I probably wouldn't have spent my time watching it. And here's the thing. TV shows are meant to be addictive. And they're not actually successes unless they are. So if a TV show actually 
isn't addictive in any way. It's not only a failure, it's not a real TV show. Being addictive is basically the baseline for a TV show. It's like the basic function. Once it's addictive, then it can be other things like artistic or thought-provoking or beautiful or emotional or whatever, right? So if, if, if you have a friend who says The Good Wife is amazing or The Walking Dead or NCIS is just incredible, it's basically like them saying Clash of Clans is really good or Candy Crush in some ways, right? On some level. Because these things are really good at hooking your brain in enough so that you're led through ups and downs and really don't have to think at all. And every time you might get bored, it leaves some little dangling uh, lack of information or lack of progress to keep you coming back. Um, and the same goes with a lot of these big games, right? So I had a little conversation on my Twitter uh, about a month ago when the trailer for Cyberpunk 20, 2077 came out. Um, if you haven't seen this yet, I guess you're probably not that interested in games in general. But it's a new game from CD Red Project, the guys who made CD Project Red, the guys who made The Witcher. Uh, it's massive budget. It's been in development for a long time and it's starring Keanu Reeves. Uh, now, this was heralded as this kind of amazing, mind-blowing, incredible trailer, right, for this incredible game that everyone wanted to play. People were basically exploding in uh, orgasmic ecstasy when this trailer dropped. Um, and and I think that it, that displays the sort of lack of actual critical thinking that we're doing on a cultural level about what we're being fed. Now, I may sound like I just don't like popular culture, but that's not true. One of the reasons I can prove that I don't, or at least I can make my point here, is that if you examine the trailer for Cyberpunk 2077, you'll just see a lot of recycled tropes. And it's purely a collection of recycled tropes, but in a game space that is activating the familiarity biases in the brains of people watching this trailer. Uh, but because of the new configuration, they're, they, they're, they're inclined to think that it's better than it really is. And that also comes from the loyalty to CD Projekt Red, having played The Witcher. They want this to be better than it is. And one of the other ways it uh, they probably thought it was better than it was was because Keanu Reeves appeared at the end and for some reason he's having a bit of a keanu sense at the moment uh, and it's sort of become a, a, a walking meme. If you have any sense of uh, pop culture history, you would know that there are several moments in this trailer that are actually ripped directly from films that Keanu Reeves has been in, including the main setup of it, which is two people coming from a bank robbery and one of them bleeding out which was one of the most powerful scenes in Point Break, which is one of the movies that Keanu Reed, uh, that made Keanu Reeves famous. So there's nothing challenging in this trailer. There's nothing new. There's nothing to make anyone think. Uh, and it's not really pushing any envelope other than like making the graphics slightly better. Uh, and that's all the demonstration we've had from this game at this point. So... What, what you're actually reacting to, at least in this case, is the joy of the familiar and the comfort of the familiar simply being re rearranged in different ways, right? And like, I don't need to point out all the visual references, right? That was so obvious. And there's so obviously a melange of everything from Blade Runner to Dark City to The Matrix, etc., etc. right? So I think next time someone installs a game 
uh, and wants you to play it with them or tells you how amazing something is and that you have to play it or watch it, I would think about what it is that they're actually reacting to when they're saying how amazing this game or video or video or TV show is. Um, you need to cross-examine them about it, but I watched the trailer. And if you don't personally respond to it, then you should not feel bad about <laughs> not spending the time watching it or being involved in it. Because remember, if all they can say about it is, it's so fun, I can't stop playing, or it's so good, I can't stop watching it, then probably they're simply addicted by the very baseline function of what that media is intended to do, which is addict them. Uh, and above and beyond that, if they can't tell you anything else and it's possible or you don't feel any personal attraction to that piece of media, then I would find better ways to use your time. And uh, I would remember the phrase that Gosha so loves to use, Jomo, um, and do something that you choose to do, not that you feel pressured into doing. That's it for this podcast. Uh, news was by Liam. Thanks, Liam. You did some great stuff this week. Music was by Beaufort, uh, Beaufort.Asia. Um, Twitter is the truth CSGO and Discord's on the Twitter and the email is the truth at the truth CSGO.com. Now I hope you enjoy the miners. That's pretty much all the Counter Strike we're going to have for a little while. We've got three weeks, I think it is, until the majors, and that's the only main tournament uh, we've got. Then it's known as a player break. So perhaps if I get some time, the next episodes might be a little more life focused. Although I am starting to wonder whether this podcast has run its course. It's going to be double or nothing, I think, in the next two or three weeks. Either I go all out and start a Patreon and turn this into something more important and probably not anonymous anymore, or I wind it up completely. Um, So, yeah, lots to think about. All right, until next time, enjoy the game.